0: You're listening to the Northfield Radio program with your host, Caleb Gordon. That's me. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking time out of your schedule to listen to the program today. Man, the new year is almost here. Was your Christmas good? I hope it was. Mine was great. One of the best things I can think that we could do to start off the new year, I, you know me, I love coffee. If you guys could check out Outpost Coffee these guys have incredible beverages you do not want to miss out go treat yourself start the new year off right and go grab a cup of coffee from outpost coffee you can find them at outpostcoffeeco.com so have you ever had a friendship that you've developed where it's just it's just been a source of encouragement just constant encouragement well that is the thing that happened when I met Brady White this guy is such an encourager And on today's program, I sit down and talk to him. He has been all over the place. He used to be in a worship band called Rent, uh, the Rent Band. And he traveled all over the country leading worship with top Christian artists. Then he moved to Orlando, Florida and planted the church with Mosaic Church in Orlando. And now he's in Quincy, Illinois. And we just sort of kind of talk about his journey of where God's taken him from. um, His beginnings in Branson, Missouri all the way to Quincy, Illinois. I hope you find this conversation encouraging and enlightening. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Mr. Brady White. Well, I guess it's now Pastor Brady White. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing well. It could just be Brady White as well. Okay,
0: you sound like my dad now. No title necessary. So if I called you reverend, would that irritate you a little bit?
1: Um, I don't know that I would say irritated, but I think I just prefer Brady.
0: Hey, I like that. That's, that's, that's good. So a little back. So, okay. Brady and I met in 2007 and Brady, um, was part of a band called the rent band. W R E N T. Do <laughs> you remember the rent band? <laughs> I I, um, I do. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. So, so W R E N T rent yeah we, we, we did that because we had no idea how complicated it would be to have to spell it all the time for people yeah <laughs> and get confused for the the musical rent as well a lot <laughs> exactly it was a, it was a bad band name
0: <laughs> so 2007 I hosted an event in Bartlesville Oklahoma where I live uh, with Joe White who is Brady's dad and Lecrae and there's this. This guy was leading worship. I had never heard of these and when I talked to the folks that were setting this event, up, they said, yeah, the rent band's going to be leading worship. I was like, okay, cool. I had no idea who these guys were. They no one did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, you know I, I at the end of it I was like, holy cow, this was these guys are awesome. So I went to your table, we talked, we exchanged numbers and man, shortly after that you and I um, we literally went all over the country together. Yeah, we did. One of the first events we did was in uh, Wichita, Kansas. And I, I still remember this vaguely because I decided to bring my two sons who at the time were extremely young and yeah. full of boy energy. <laughs> <laughs> and your yeah. your precious wife had to like calm them like she was <laughs> that was so funny because I'm just I'm rethinking this out in my head. And she had to she had to like be stern with the boy. She's like, You're gonna sit down be quiet and like yes you got full permission go that's so funny but uh, okay so i'm rambling so brady tell me uh, tell me about if the our folks who are listening who is brady white
1: wow that's Uh, a big question that's uh, open first and foremost i'm a follower of jesus um uh, that's how i try and introduce myself because that's the most important thing about me. And I want to remind myself that that's the most important thing about me. I want to make sure that everyone else knows that's the most important thing about me. So I've had to boil it down to a phrase. It'd be, I'm a follower of Jesus.
0: You're being incredibly humble. So that's, I love that. Um, you, your, your dad runs Canna Cut Camps in Branson and that's sort of kind of where you grew up. And that's, that was where you landed for the longest time. After you left Branson, what, you guys were kind of went on a little journey you and your
1: wife yeah we we it was weird um we were living in branson you know doing that odd band thing and jennifer came to me um and she said hey i think um i think i want to go work for disney world and i was like what that's a theme park. Uh, you know, at the time, that's what I thought. It was just a a theme park and I couldn't believe that we would need to move to go work for a theme park. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and so I told her we should pray about it. Um, and so we took 30 days to pray about it. And after 30 days, um, she, uh, her last day, I remember she went down to her, her prayer spot down by the little Creek and she came up and, uh, back to the house and she said, I think, um, I think we need to go to Disney. I think this is where God is calling us. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, but why do you look sad? She looked really sad. And I thought, you know, what? Well, I don't understand. It sounds like, you know, it's, it's the news that you wanted, which, which I felt in my heart as well. But I didn't understand what was going on. She said, well, I just thought, I just thought God would put a Mickey in the clouds. And I said, <laughs> would well, you look? And she said, no. And I said, well, why don't you go look? And so she did. And I didn't go look, but she looked, and she said that she saw Mickey in the clouds. And so I know that you can see basically anything you want in the clouds, but <laughs> at least God allowed her to see a Mickey in the clouds. She came back. She was crying, and uh, it was great. So we picked up, and I said, I don't uh, want to live in Florida, so let's go to California. So so we did. We went to California, and then seven months later, God brought us to Florida. So it was it was a pretty interesting journey to florida tell me how
0: um when you got what did, how did she get started what did what did you guys do there in disney World? well we
1: it, i mean it's crazy we, we moved to california and she didn't have a job at disney and and the funny thing was uh we got there and they were on a hiring freeze mm-hmm. uh, but jennifer if nothing else she is persistent uh and she's just a bundle of joy and persistence and so she went to the casting office Uh, which is the hiring place. It's all, you know, the the terminology that they use is, you know, stage terminology and acting terminology. So she went to the casting office uh, twice a week for a month and begged them for a job. And finally, a month into it, they uh, gave her a job. And and really, she actually, I I don't know if you know this or not, but she wrote a book um, and in her book, she tells a lot of these stories about how it came to be. And she's an incredible writer, and a much better storyteller than I am. So I would encourage uh, you to, to to read that. So what, what's but, the name of the yeah. book? What's the name of the book? The the book is called Be Love. B e Love. Awesome.
0: Very cool. You started something in Disney World with a with a church named Mosaic. Can you tell us tell us about that story? I like I love it.
1: Yeah, we. Um, I'm thinking of the right story, but we moved to to florida cuz jennifer got that dream job getting to you know get to be friends with a couple of the princesses uh, and and i was at the time had had kind of felt like i was called to be a pastor so i got involved with a church called mosaic and after about a month they let me be a resident with them which is kind of like a glorified intern <laughs> and and through that, um, we started a life group, just a small group of people getting together. And yeah. a year and a half into it, it was about fifty Disney cast members uh, that we met.
0: You know, we actually, you know, we did a life
1: group once a week, but we were together all the time and just kind of realized it needed to be a, a church campus. And so Mosaic um, had us plant a campus of that church for, particularly for Disney cast members. Uh, they have very odd schedules sure and so doing ministry for Disney cast members really needed to be very contextualized And so we did a contextualized campus uh, for Disney cast members where, now where did that mean crazy journey?
0: Where did that cast? Where was the the campus at? Uh,
1: it was well. We met um, Once a week at the Holiday Inn at Disney Springs back then it was downtown Disney now. It's Disney Springs. Yeah um, but we met, you know, throughout the week at homes, and you know, we had you know pizza nights, and uh, we did this thing once a month called Uncommon Love at WDW, where we would just go around at Disney and rather go there, you know, for us to have fun. Although it was fun, we went there with the mindset of how can we bless the cast members and care for the cast members and so love them and uh, just encourage them, tell them they're doing a great job because. If you've ever been to Disney, uh, people go there for themselves and they treat cast members very poorly. And it's hard for them to, as they call it, make magic um, and, and continually, you know, when they're being poured out all the time, sure. they're not being filled up. Uh, so we would just go in and encourage them. So we just did tons of things throughout the week, but we would gather once a week and have a, a worship gathering uh, at the Holiday Inn.
0: Wow, that is so neat. So you literally poured into those people's lives. You you shared the hope and the love of Jesus with cast members. How many folks were did you guys have on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah, that's that's another great question. Uh, it I mean, really planning a church cameras for Disney cast members <laughs> was one of the most odd things I've ever been a part of. It was like a, a never, you know, ending Rubik's cube that would continually be remixed up, and you'd think you'd have it figured out. But one of the things that happened. Um, is is Disney cast members, uh, the frontline cast members, which was one of the ones that we really ministered to, which would have been the people that you saw if you got on a ride or if you were being, uh, you know, you're buying some merchandise, they would be at the cash register or if maybe you met, you know, a character. There might be a character attendant or photo pass. Mm-hmm. So we, those people, and they are very transient. So the, I would say the average frontline cast member comes to be a part of Walt Disney World for about, a year to a year and a half. If they're okay. college program, they're there for six months. Um, if they're full-time, you, you know, most of them leave within a year, year and a half. So that was one thing, is there was a big transient nature of the population, as well as their schedules were crazy. So if someone was a very, very faithful um, person who's a part of our church, they would probably come once a month. Wow. That would be a very faithful person. And so it was weird is, you know, we probably had, I don't know, 100, 150 people um, at a Sunday night gathering, but then we'd have 75 of them would be different the next week. Wow. And, um, you know, we probably had 20, 15 to 20 new people every week. It was it was just so weird, so hard to do ministry with, yeah. with that kind of uh, environment, trying to learn how, how do you help? care for people when they're not there very long and mm-hmm. they're not there very much. Um, so we had to just kind of, I felt like reinvent the wheel a lot. So how did you do that? W- one of the most, uh, effective things that we did, um, and I totally invented it. It's a thing called discipleship. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, uh, you know, I think Jesus was onto something. Yeah. Um, when he said, go make disciples of all nations mm-hmm. and the way that he demonstrated it, is Jesus did discipleship in groups of 5,000 and groups of 72 and groups of 12 and groups of three. And what we found worked best is when we did discipleship in small groups of two, three, or four people because the schedules were so crazy. Um, So that if you try to do a small group of 12 people, what we found is that like a life group or a missional community or whatever people are calling it these days, the best thing about those is, is over time you gather, you know, a group of people that has trust and accountability, but the worst thing about a life group is life group number one because it's awkward and it's weird, you don't trust anybody, you don't know anybody. Sure. Yeah, and what we found for our context is every life group was life group number one because there was always so, so many, many new people and yeah. different people, and so we had to do it in a much smaller context, you know, over coffee and um. In homes and in you know resort lobbies and wherever. Yeah. Uh, so discipleship was the most effective thing uh, that we were able to be a part of. Wow. Uh, for for ministry for them.
0: So how many years were you you all in Orlando? Uh, eight
1: and a half years.
0: You guys have have sort of kind of moved into a new season, and that's where I wanted to go next um, because you you've been there you were there eight and a half years developed some incredible friendships, but God has a way of of calling us to go and do different things every once in a while. And uh, it looks like God's moved you guys in a different direction. What uh, What's this new season in your life?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't think God would call us to Orlando, Florida, and I definitely <laughs> didn't think he would call us to Quincy, Illinois. Um, he did. Uh, so so, so where's where Quincy? A, a great church in Quincy, Illinois, which is, um, uh, it's in obviously it's in Illinois. It's on the Mississippi. Uh, if you're familiar with Mark Twain, he wrote about Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, who grew up in Hannibal, Missouri. I mean, they were mythical, but Hannibal, Missouri is real, and it's about twenty minutes from Quincy, just across the river. So,
0: so what are you doing in
1: Quincy? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm the pastor of a church called LifePoint. Um, it's a great community of people uh, that love Jesus and. Are passionate about knowing Him and uh, engaging in discipleship relationships and seeing the world change for for Him. Uh, starting with Quincy, wow. um, we we were familiar with this place because Jennifer grew up here, um, and then uh, the people that started this church about twelve years ago uh, were dear friends of ours, and, and and actually were part of our church at in Orlando. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. They 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 came down to Orlando about. Five or six years ago, and for the last five or six years, we're part of it. But then God separately called both of us back here. Um, well, them back here, us there for the first time. Um, and so we're we're doing that. I mean, it's it's brand new. I just uh, last Sunday was my second Sunday. It was our first Sunday in a brand new building. They they, they built a, a church building here, and um, it's been it's been a whirlwind. Wow! So
0: that that is an incredible. That's an incredible story of how God's just moves folks and does different things. What so it, let me? What's God been showing you in the last, I'd say, six months to a year? What's what's really been on the radar?
1: One of the most important things that God has done in my heart and life, and really, it's been over the last, I guess, I would say, year and a half, two years. Um, is what I like to call the rhythms of intimacy. Um, you've probably heard them call the spiritual disciplines or disciplines of the faith. Yeah, and, yeah. and what those are just God's means for uh, that He gave us to cultivate intimacy with Him. Um, and you know, we we know how to cultivate you know intimacy with a person by taking them to lunch or sure. going on an adventure or going to a movie. But the way that you cultivate intimacy with this divine spiritual being is through prayer and. Meditation and study of scripture and fasting, uh, silence and solitude, celebration, worship, community. And there, there's so many more. Uh, but but God just has rocked my world uh, with those rhythms of intimacy. Because my life throughout, um, you know, as, as most peoples do, my relationship with God has been up and down. Sure. But there's been a number of, of, of long periods of stagnation. And I think a big piece of that was because I was only engaging in a couple. And I think, um, you know, within the Protestant tradition, we love Bible study, which is good and important and should never be diminished. But it's not the only one. You know, we we would study our Bible, we'd pray, um, but, but those were kind of the big ones. But there are so many other ones that God wants to utilize in our lives in different rhythms and in different seasons to draw us near to him. And so as I've gotten to uh, engage in those, I've seen just radical transformation in my heart and not my mind. Jesus says the way that you bear spirit fruit is by abiding in the vine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that's what it is, the way that we draw, when we draw near to God, when we cultivate intimacy with him, he makes us more like Jesus and makes us more effective for ministry with him.
0: And that's the goal. We, and the goal is we want to be just like and we want to look like Christ. Like that should be yeah. the goal of all Christians. And I think that you're, you're on to something. There is nothing... Wrong, and there is. It's good to have Bible studies, but I think a lot of times what happens in the churches, we get so focused on okay, we just need to do a study on that, and we're not obedient to what God called us to do. We can immerse ourselves in the Bible, but if we're not willing to do what the Bible calls us to do, uh that can that can propose a a big problem. Yeah,
1: and, and I think a lot of times what what we call ourselves is Jesus followers. And what that means is that we would follow in Jesus' footsteps. And Mm -hmm. so the rhythms of intimacy are just the practices of Jesus. It's just the lifestyle that he lived. So as you read through the Gospels, Jesus was often in silence and solitude. He was often in prayer. He fasted. He prayed. He obviously uh, knew his Bible for sure. That's a huge piece. Sure, Um, But he celebrated in worship. And he he did all of the disciplines of the faith. And so if we call ourselves Jesus followers – then we would necessarily walk into those as we walk in His footsteps.
0: Absolutely. So, um, we've got just a little bit of time here, but I, so what do you what do you see for the next? I don't know, year to five years in your in your life. I mean, you you have goals, plans.
1: Yes, my hope is that I will get to walk with other men and women into intimacy with Jesus, um, helping them figure out what it looks like in their life to. Uh, engage in the disciplines of the faith, because it's different for everybody. And, you know, what does it look like for a single mom? What does it look like for, uh, you know, a, a, a mom or a dad with a career? What does it uh, look like for, you know, someone who is past their career and is in retirement? And it looks different for all of us, yep. uh, but we're all called into it. Uh, I like to think of it kind of like a symphony orchestra, uh, how there you know there's probably you know a hundred instruments in a symphony. And sometimes one will play, and sometimes just the woodwinds and sometimes just the strings, and sometimes you'll get the brass and the percussion, and sometimes all the instruments will play. you know with the with the disciplines of the faith or the rhythms of intimacy, it'll be like a symphony in your own life. Yeah. sometimes there'll be one that really speaks to you. sometimes it'll be all of them. Uh, sometimes it'll just be some of them. And you'll have to find that in your own life. And so my hope is over the next few years that I'd be able to walk with people into that.
0: Very cool, very cool. So let me ask you this. How did um, growing up in the camp world and doing the music thing, how did that prepare you for being a pastor? Or or did it? Yes,
1: Oh, in a number of different ways it did. I think being in the camp world, uh, the thing that I look to a lot is that in the camp world, Everything goes wrong and everything breaks. And so you, you just got to be able to just roll with it. And I think being a pastor of a church, same thing. Things go wrong and it's okay. Things aren't perfect. It's okay. I love that. I think that. we can Thanks. get really consumed about putting on the best show mm-hmm. and being excellent. And when things go wrong, it's like, well, we failed. Well, no, it just, you know, God wants to use those things just, just as much. And so it's it's good to be okay with that. Camp really prepared me well for that. Awesome. I think also with camp, you know Jesus was a huge focus of Cannacut camps. and so that was such a big benefit for me uh, for sure. I mean that that camp that is a
0: it's a large camp. So you not only you got to have some pretty influential Christians in your house and in and around your supper table and doing doing life with those folks, so that that I'm sure that had to make some sort of an impact.
1: Absolutely. I was very blessed to have many godly men and women. Uh, that were around um, because they were part of Kanaka or people that my dad knew or connected to and sure yeah I'm so thankful
0: that's so awesome yeah I, I I love that you mentioned there that that we you know sometimes we what we do in church is we try to focus so heavily on the the stage aspect of it or the performance quarter. and i I hate to use right. that word but we focus so much on everything has to be streamlined and look pretty and sometimes it doesn't and and a lot of pastors that I've had conversations with conversations with they they feel like they've like fallen short if if the thing doesn't if Sunday morning doesn't go off without a hitch and sometimes they do and even in those moments I've noticed sometimes that God can use those mess ups or they can you know to to still draw folks in
1: absolutely yeah i would say with with generation um, y and Z, they're looking for authenticity. They're not mm. looking for a show. The fu- crazy thing, first time I, I, I taught at LifePoint a couple weeks ago, uh, my phone went off while I was teaching, and it was my <laughs> wife calling. Um, I haven't had my phone on the sound. I had it on Vibrate for the last eight years. I don't know how it got flipped onto that, but it did. And someone uh, told one of my friends uh, that, that that was the moment that they felt like this could be their church. Oh, wow. Because it was real. Because because people can't relate to perfect. They can relate to mess-ups. They can relate to flawed. Sure. Uh, and, and so when you are able to authentically demonstrate that you're flawed and you don't have it all together, people are like, I get that because that's me too. That's so my good. phone goes off, and, and I feel embarrassed. So I get that.
0: <laughs> that's so great. I love that. Well, Brady, I just want—I mean, you and I've been friends, and and, and I and I, in the beginning of the monologue, I I, I I said this, but it's just every once in a while you you cross people and you develop friendships that just have been nothing but a source of encouragement. And I think about our friendship since starting in 2007, and just being able to—we've talked on the phone, we've we've gone to eat dinner together, you've eaten in my house, like there's like there's it's been nothing but. Sources of encouragement. You've you've been a, a, a good friend and a brother in Christ, and I, I just I want to thank you for that, and um, thank you for for being a an example to the community of Christ. Um, it's it's been good to see God use you.
1: Thanks for saying that, Caleb. I appreciate it. It's been mutual. If you don't know Caleb Gordon, <laughs> uh, you should get to know him. He one of the most kind, generous, giving, loyal friends out there so the feeling is mutual
0: well i appreciate that sir would you uh dismiss us in prayer as we as we end the the program
1: absolutely heavenly father thank you so very much that you are a good loving father thank you that you are most fully um put yourself on display through jesus thank you that jesus is awesome kind compassionate gracious thank you that your mercies are new every morning thank you that we are your beloved daughters and sons uh, thank you that we can have intimacy with you. I thank you that Jesus made the way for us to be a part of your family, yeah. that we can be adopted into your family and have that security um, in your family for eternity. God, we have so much that we can be thankful for. Let's pray for everyone uh, that is a part of this, whether they're driving in a car or sitting down or working out or wherever they are, Lord, I just pray that you'd be with them, that you would bless them right now, and that you'd draw them near to yourself, and that you'd remind them who they are in you and how much you love them, how much you're for them. You're amazing, God. Thank you for Caleb. Bless him and his ministry. Mm. And we ask these things in the powerful and beautiful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, guys, go get them. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Northview Radio Program. I hope that conversation encouraged you. Find out more about what we're doing at the Northview Radio Program at www.calebcorden.com. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.